0: If you have a Bible, Psalm 51 is where we're going to be. So, if you're expecting Christmas, um, I'm sorry to disappoint you. You're, you're not getting Christmas today. <laughs> Psalm 51 is where we're going to be. Yeah, how many of you guys have cell phones? That, like four of you, or what? Like, it's okay. I Like, all right. If this is going to work, we're going to have to be a little interactive this morning, okay? So, how many of you guys have cell phones? All right. Good. Okay. So, these things are great right? You can make phone calls on these things. I don't know if you guys know what that is. You dial someone else's phone number and you can talk to them. It's crazy, right? You can also text message on this stuff. Like it's, it's amazing and I'm getting notifications like crazy. But you can text message so I don't have to like talk to you verbally. Like if I kind of want to passive aggressively avoid you, I can just like send a text and then pretend like when you send one back I didn't actually get it or I didn't read it. It's awesome, right? But probably what this is most revolutionary about is pictures, right? You can take a picture of anything and put it online for the entire world to see. Like, so much today that that people are just taking pictures of whatever they can, themselves, their pizza, their sushi, their dog, whatever, in in order to become discovered. Like, it's like, if I can snap the right picture, I can be famous. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to... Snap a picture of us so I can be famous, ready? Just the guys, right? (laughs) All right, right. don't worry. I know, it's important, right? And all the girls, okay? So what I'm going to do later is I'm going to upload that to Instagram, right? And I'm going to get about three and a half likes, okay? Because that's kind of where I roll, all right? Joe is not going to be discovered uh, because of his Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. I'm not going to be discovered, Okay? But instantly, I can take a picture of something, I can send it to some cloud, and everyone in the world potentially has the ability to see that. Some of you want to be discovered. I know, like, when I was your age, I wanted to be discovered, okay? I wanted to be known for something, almost... Almost like something that's going to make me famous. Now, famous in a good way, not infamous in a bad way, but I want to be known. So now it's super easy because you just take pictures of stuff and maybe, maybe the right person's going to see it and you're going to be discovered. Well, you're not going to believe this, but this is also a camera. Okay? I found this in my truck this morning. I remember that um, when I first got married almost 12 years ago, my wife and I put these cameras in our vehicles. That way, if we ever got in an accident, we could just take some pictures. Like, this takes pictures, right? But the problem is, I don't know what I'm really taking a picture of. Like, because you just, here, we'll, we'll do this, okay? Wind it up, you got wind it up, all right? And super blurry, boom, okay? Girls, you want, you, yep? Boom. Now, <laughs> Here's what I do in order to get this picture. Like it doesn't like pop out like a Polaroid thing, right? I can't plug it into a computer and see it, and there's no screen on the back side, so I don't even know what I actually took a picture of, right? I'm looking through this tiny little window, hoping and praying that I didn't take a picture of my foot, right? Like you think if I point it the right direction, it's going to get there. But what I'd have to do in order to get these pictures, I'd have to take this to Walmart, Walgreens. I'd have to put it in an envelope. I'd have to leave it with them for about a week, and then would get sent off to get developed, Now, the process of being developed is much more than the process of snapping and uploading. Did you know that almost 400 million pictures are uploaded to Instagram every day? Can you imagine taking 400 million pictures and developing them? And the process that that would take? The time that that would take? See, while you and I may want to be discovered, God desires for us to be developed. And when he goes through the process of developing us, he uses something called breaking. Breaking. So this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at maybe three verses from Psalm 51 and what it means for God to break us and us to pray a dangerous prayer when we ask God, God, will you break me? So if you're in your Bible, Psalm 51, we're going to look at uh, starting in verse 14. Here's what it says, David, writing. David says, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation. Basically, David knows he's royally messed up. And we can say royally because he's a king, and we can also say messed up, because not only did he commit adultery and murder, he also used his power and his position as king to take advantage of those who are lower than him. Those who are vulnerable. And if you really, really, really want to upset God, you really want to take God off, use your position of power to take care of those or to take advantage of those who are vulnerable. Like David knows he's in trouble. He's been caught. Nathan the prophet has come, and he's, he's told David, like, hey, God knows what you've done, and I know what you've done, and there's going to be consequences for you. So immediately after David gets caught, he goes and he pens this song. and he writes these things uh, about what it means to, to, to be in sin, to be caught, to be restored, and then ultimately to pray a break-me prayer. So in verse 14, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation and my tongue will sing aloud of Your righteousness. O oh Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare Your praise. For You will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, You will not despise. Here's what God is looking for when He's developing you and me. God is looking for you to ask Him to break you. Now we have to define the idea of breaking, right? Because like if my phone breaks it's pretty much useless, okay? Now when God is talking about wanting us to be broken and we have a desire to be broken by God, it doesn't mean useless. It doesn't even mean, mean sad. Like, I don't know about you guys, but, but in high school I had, I had this girl and I really liked her. Like, and we were really good friends and that's how she wanted it to stay. And I tried. And I tried. <laughs> and she's like, no. And I had a broken heart. And I was sad for a really long time. Being broken by God doesn't mean unusable. It doesn't mean being sad. Being broken by God, it just means coming to a place where you say, I need help. Or, I can't do something. The best illustration I can give you is my grandpa. My grandpa was an amazing man. Okay, Uh, Woodworking skills beyond belief. Okay, He built chairs and benches. He built sheds and he built houses. He did all this stuff in his spare time. Also in his spare time, he built tractors. Okay? He liked to build tractors. I, it's not my thing, but he built tractors. And he would polish up these parts. He would find these parts. He would fix them and put them all together. He'd do all this heavy lifting, all this, all this crazy manly man stuff. Well, as he got older, my, my grandpa developed COPD and emphysema. And what happened was he couldn't breathe. He couldn't get enough oxygen into his body in order to do anything but just really sit in a chair and, and just sit. And, and the, the, most, the, the words I remember most coming from my grandpa's lips during those times was, I can't or I need. Like, I can't get up to get myself some food. I need someone to help me do this. And when God desires us to be broken, we come before God and we say, God, I want to pray this break me prayer. What we're essentially doing is we're coming to him and saying, God, I can't, I need. Now see, your sin, your sin cannot keep you from heaven. It cannot keep you from God, but your self-righteousness can. The idea that you think you have it all together, that I think I have it all together, that I don't need anyone's help, and that by just being a good enough person, by just doing enough good things, by saying the right things, by looking good on the outside, that's going to make me the person I need to be. See, that's not how God works. God desires you and me to come to him and say, I can't and I need. And so if you were to take 30 seconds right now, not even 30 seconds, if you were to take 7 seconds right now, and you were to think, God, what area in my life am I depending too much on myself and not enough on you? In what area of my life do I need to say, God, I can't do this. I can't handle this. I need you for this. That's probably the one area in your life that you need to start praying a break-me prayer. And what does David say here in this psalm about a break-me prayer? It says, The the sacrifices of God, what God desires, what you bring to God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So, how does God break? How does God break? See, a few verses before this, what David does is he writes uh, a a little bit about um, the process that he desires from God. So, if you just quick look at Psalm 51, 7 and 8. Here's what David writes. Psalm 51, 7 and 8. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness, and let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my iniquities. Isn't it crazy that in the same The same poem, the same song that David writes about having a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. He says, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. I firmly believe, just just through some of the experiences that I've gone through, some of the loss that I have experienced, that the times of deep brokenness can also be the times of deepest rejoicing. Because I know in those moments of loss and hurt and despair and darkness that there is a God who loves me so much to not allow me to stay there. But He's there and He's using my pain. He's using my inability to control, to handle that situation in such a way that it's going to either help someone later on down the road or it's going to draw me closer to Him. And I can truly say with David that the bones that you have broken are rejoicing. Now, I don't know what kind of loss you've experienced. I don't know what kind of of hurt you've gone through. But what I do know is that if you haven't gone through loss or hurt at this point in your life, you will. You will. And when you come to those deep moments, those dark moments, those moments where you feel as if there is no hope, what is going to be your cry to God? Is your cry to God going to be, I can't? And I need that only you can provide. So he says, purge me with hyssop. Um, How many of you guys know what hyssop is? Oh, come on. This is a... a, Okay, thank you. Right? I mean, students, you guys know what hyssop is? That's okay. I didn't either, so it's all right. But they have these cool things called Bible dictionaries and the Google machine. So... The Google machine is great. If you look up a a, uh, picture of hyssop, it's basically just a branch with some white flowers on it. Super cool, right? If you also look in your Bible dictionary, you'll see that hyssop is used really two times in the Old Testament. The first time hyssop is used is when it is given instructions to the children of Israel while they're in Egypt that they are to take the blood of a lamb and smear it over the doorposts of their house using a hyssop branch. The other time hyssop is used in the Old Testament is when a a leper would come with, you guys know, leprosy, skin disease, dead skin, all this bad stuff, peeling, you got noses, fingers falling off, it's not a good idea, okay? Um, People would desire to be healed from that. Imagine that, right? So in order to be healed from that, the Old Testament, in Leviticus, it tells us that the person with leprosy can go to the priest. And as they go to the priest, the priest could rub the blood of a slain lamb on their leprous spot with a hyssop branch. And what these two things are doing, it's pointing us forward to the one day when someone is going to use their own blood to cleanse his people, to give them the healing that they deserve. And that person is Jesus Christ. And you would know that, and I would know that, that that through Christ, we become cleansed. And we have the ability now to become the temple of God. The Holy Spirit now lives inside of his people, but we also have the ability to be healed. You can be healed from the emotional distress that you are experiencing. You can be healed from the bad habits that maybe you just can't get away from. You can be healed from the hurt of past mistakes and the way that other people have hurt you. And here's what's really cool. You can be healed from the hurt you've caused on others. And all it takes is a simple break-me prayer. God, I can't fix myself. I can't heal myself. I need you to come into my life, and I need you to take care of this. And if you're, if you're here this morning, and oftentimes I'm sitting in a place where I'm like, I really, like, how many of you guys are just like, you know, life's good right now. I'm doing pretty good. Anybody? No? Thank you for being honest. I appreciate that, Amanda. Right? <laughs> Me? Like, there's so many times in my life, I'm like, man, I'm nailing it. Like, with parenting. My three-year-old, her name is Chloe? Um, most independent child I've ever met, also the most grateful child I've ever met, okay? And uh, lately, she's just been coming up to me, and she's been like, thank you, Daddy. I'm like, for what? I, I don't even know. She's three. She runs off. But it's just like that, thank you, Daddy. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm nailing it, right? I, I'm an I'm all-star parent. And then she runs off, and she starts pulling my seven-year-old's hair and, like, pulling her to the ground and just, like, biting her, okay? It's like, oh. It's in those moments where you go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, there's no stability in your life that you need to reach out to the rock of ages and the anchor of your soul and the one who can bring you the stability that you and I are desperately seeking. So I don't know, I mean finals are coming up probably, yes, Uh, right, (laughs) hey don't worry, like if... If you're a freshman, you only have approximately eight more years of it, okay? It's going to be great. you got four here, four in college, whatever you decide to do, okay? Only eight more years, right? Finals are coming up. For some of you, it could bring on this uh, amazing amount of stress and pressure to perform. You need to understand... Whoa. Sorry. That could have been bad. (laughs) You need to understand that Jesus does not accept you based on your performance. He accepts you based on His performance for you. And that time and time when stress and pressure to perform push you down, Jesus is there saying, I love you where you're at. And I'm going to help you get to the next place. Why don't you come and cry out to me? come and cry out that you can't and that you need and that you do not want to be identified by the stress and the pressure to perform. Or maybe it's an athletic thing, right? We're in basketball season now. We've got, we got wrestling going on. Um, and, and maybe it's an athletic thing. Like if I don't start on the team, If I'm not at the varsity level, what are people going to think of me? If I have a bad game or a bad match and I start to struggle, what are people going to think of me? You see, you and I need to be freed from that pressure, from that stress, to be uh, approved by our performance. The only one whose performance matters is the performance of Christ on your behalf. what God is attempting to do to David is he's trying to tell him that the weight of this world, and think for, think for David for a minute, King David. And if you think king, you should also think shepherd. And David was that shepherd before he became king. And, and in the Old Testament, when you, when you see things talking about shepherds, like there's a lot of times it's just talking about the leadership ability of whoever's going to be put in charge. God is trying to get it through to David that the weight of the pressure of being king for you, the weight of that pressure, it's going to crush you. And the only way that you can withstand being crushed is by calling out to Me. By putting your dependence on Me. By saying, yes, I can't be the king, but I know the King of kings. Like, I need someone to help me. And we have a great helper who is always willing to help us in our time of need. And so what God is attempting to do is He's attempting to show Him that the weight and the pressure of of all the stuff that's going on in David's life, even yes, the weight and the pressure of his sin is greater than the weight of David's righteousness. You see, David couldn't be a good enough person. He couldn't be a good enough king to be everything that was needed for the people. It was David's job to be the leader that pointed the people to the true king. This morning, you have an awesome opportunity and responsibility to be people of the king who point others to the king. And not just through your words and telling them about the king, but in how you act and the way you cry out to the king in in your time of need. We're all going to have a time of need. Like you can't escape that. There's always going to be this dark night of the soul. There's always going to be some pressure that is put on us from an outside force or pressure that is put on us from an inside force. And unless we are willing to give that over to the king, the pressure will crush you. But here's what's so amazing about our king. That he took the crushing in our place. David, David wouldn't understand this, but I'm so thankful that we have a completed Bible, that we get the whole story. You see, whenever God wants to do great things with people, He always um, sent a prophet or someone to anoint them. And oftentimes, people were anointed with oil, and I forgot my oil, otherwise I guess you were going to get anointed, but... Um, They were anointed with oil. Well, see, you just don't go to the grocery store and buy oil back then. In fact, oil came at a high price. Olives had to be harvested and gathered together into what was called an olive press. Right? And so think about this big old stone circle, okay? And there were really a couple ways that, that the olives would be pressed in order to give the oil. But essentially, what has to take place in order to get the oil out of the olive is that the olive needs to be crushed. And once the olive is crushed, the oil comes out and it can be used. And I don't know this morning if you're feeling as if you're going through a period of crushing. Where you feel like the weight of everything around you is too much for you to bear. Oftentimes, we go through periods of crushing just before God desires to use us greatly. And so the Apostle Paul, he would say that we were we were pressed, but not crushed. We were persecuted, not, to, not abandoned. We were struck down, but we were not destroyed. Even like super Christian wearing the Superman cape in the New Testament, he experienced crushing, pressing. So what they would do is they would, they would press down these olives. They would, they, would, they would push down on these olives and the, and the oil would come out. And then the prophet or, or the priest or, or whoever's going to do the anointing would gather the oil and they would come and they would anoint a king or someone else for service in the Lord. And perhaps your period of crushing right now your period of feeling the pressure and the pressing of all those things around you is God preparing you for something greater. But here's the deal, you never walk through it alone. Never. I mean, in fact, like, you can't walk through it alone if you call yourself, if you are a follower of Jesus. You see, Jesus has sent His Holy Spirit to live inside of you, so you're not alone. Jesus promises to never leave you or forsake you, so you're not alone. And He's also set up this wonderful thing called community, where you have people around you, hopefully that are encouraging you, are lifting you up, are pushing you more toward Christ, that are there when you need them. But sometimes we've got to break ourselves of our own pride and be willing to say, I can't and I need. And so, as these, these olives are being pressed and the oil is coming out, we have to remember like, everybody wants to be blessed, right? Hashtag blessed. Everyone wants to be, if we were to throw that in the Old Testament, everyone wants to be anointed, fit for service. But it's hard to be fit for service, it's hard to be anointed unless you go through something that leads you to brokenness. Because brokenness really does lead to blessing. That brokenness in your life allows you, it's amazing, right? It allows you to retrain your eyes and get your gaze back on Christ, yes. But it also allows you to be the type of person that comes next to someone else who is struggling with something similar and to be the person that they need to point them back to Jesus. And in that way, you can be a blessing to others just as you have received the blessing from God. You see, Jesus wasn't exempt. Jesus went through His period of brokenness, of crushing, of pressing when He was in the garden. And maybe you know the story, maybe you don't, but He's in, he's in the garden and He's praying, Father, well, if, this, if, if there's any other way, take this cup from Me. I mean, He is hours from crucifixion. And he is praying, and he is praying so intensely that that the capillaries in his veins and his skin begin to break and he begins to sweat drops of blood. The period of intensity was great for Jesus. And yet, he goes through this for you and for me. That the crushing and the brokenness and all of these things that he went through, he does on our behalf. And at any moment, he could have said, you know what, I'm done. but He loved you, He loved me, enough to go through brokenness, crushing, pressing. So that you and I wouldn't have to in that capacity. And that so when you and I go through those things in a lesser capacity, we know, we know that there is someone who's gone through it who walks with us in great ways. And that we can walk with others as well. And so I don't know what gifts you have. I, I, know, I know a couple of you, um, but I don't know most of you. But I do know that God has given you a gift and God has fit you for service. And there may be an anointing that He is placing on your life. You need to know a couple things that just because He has placed an anointing on your life doesn't mean life is going to be easy. But it does mean that your life is going to be good because the good King has saw fit to use you and your gifts and your anointing for His service. But there may be periods of time where you need to get into this rhythm of life where you are crying out, God, I can't and I need. I can't and I need. I can't and I need. And there's no better place to be than dependent on the King who has already gone through this for you. God is not breaking you to punish you. He doesn't do that. He doesn't break you to punish you. He breaks you to prepare you for things to come. He breaks you to draw you closer to Him, to keep you dependent on Him. And if there are some of you this morning who are starting to wander away, listen, I went to a Bible college, okay? And one of the things on the application in a Bible college is, are you a Christian? You just check yes or no, right? Right? And in order to get into my Bible college, you had to check yes, okay? So, essentially, you walk in, and and in Bible college, everybody has checked the box yes. But it seemed like every year in Bible college, we had seven, eight, nine kids accept Christ as their Savior. And so just because you go to Bible college, just because you're, you're at a Christian school, just because you grow up in a Christian family, and just because you go to church or youth group or you do Jesus type things, it doesn't mean that you are actually a follower of Christ. And you need to understand that there is hope and there is healing and there is wholeness to those who desire to give their lives in service to Jesus. And it doesn't exempt you from hardship. It doesn't exempt you from breaking. It doesn't exempt you from crushing or pressing or pressure. But it does give you an opportunity to survive it with grace as you rely on the one who has already gone through it for you. And so whenever you're going through these experiences, I want you to hold on to the faith that you have in Christ, to the knowledge that you have that he is who he says he is, he has done what he said he would do, and he's going to see your work through to the end. Aren't you just glad sometimes, like, you, you read the, how many of you guys read your Bible? Yeah? Six, okay, good, alright. I actually expected more girls than boys in that one, but maybe we're just holding arms up as hard. How many of you guys read your Bible? Alright, there we go, great, me too, right? And sometimes you just read your Bible and you read it over and over and over again, and sometimes something new just pops out. Or sometimes you've read a verse so many times, it's like, yeah, I've read that verse. You just kind of skip over it. One of the verses that I used to read so many times that I just used to skip over it, but now it just pops off the page every time. Like, even when I'm just flipping, it's like, boom, there's Philippians 1.6. six said, he who began a good work in you. He who began a good work in you. You know what that says? You didn't start the good work. And if you didn't start it, it's not dependent on you. There goes the pressure. And he who began a good work in you will see it to completion. Pressure's off, guys. And it's okay to pray a break-me prayer to come to God and say, I can't and I need. Will you enter into my situation, my circumstance? Will you provide life and hope and healing and rest for all these things? I mean, isn't that what the incarnation is? That God enters our mess. I don't know about you, but like, my life's a mess. Six week old, which means we're sleeping about six minutes a night, okay? Life's a mess, right? Plus, I got two other kids to get ready for school, and then I have the most independent three-year-old you'll ever meet. So literally, six minutes a night. Like, my three-year-old will go to bed at 11 and wake up at 4, and she's ready for the day. Morning time, Daddy? No, okay? Like, you want to talk chaos? You want to talk lack of hope? You want to talk just searching and grasping or something? I'm there. I'm living it right now. And it may seem so trivial to some of you, but it's real to me. And because it's real to me, God cares about it. And because what you're going through is real to you, God cares about it. And perhaps He's just waiting for you to cry out to Him. And you have gifts. And He has prepared you for service. Don't be afraid of the crushing and the breaking that may need to take place in order to fully release those gifts where He desires them. And so if you're in that crushing, if you're in that oil press right now, the best thing I can tell you to do is run to Jesus. Through prayer, through His Word, through community. Run to Jesus. If you feel like you're falling apart right now, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. In fact, I think the Bible is clear that when we are ready to fall apart, the safest place for us to fall apart is in the arms of Christ. It's okay to fall apart. It's okay to not have it all together. It's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to not be okay. And I would encourage you, in fact, I, I, I don't want to put more pressure on you because that would just kind of take away from everything we've talked about about outside pressure but one of the most freeing things that I've done in my life is I've prayed break-me prayers. And I'm in the middle of this right now where I feel like every day I'm praying this break-me prayer that I want to have a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart because I know that God will not turn His back on me. And He won't turn His back on you. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful. We're grateful for Jesus the author and and perfecter of our faith, the one who started a good work in us. Father, help us remember that the time that it takes for You to develop us can be long and it can be hard. But ultimately, when we get to the end, it's worth it. And so whatever we're experiencing right now, as we go through that developing process. God, would you just refresh our hearts? Would you help us to be pointed at Christ on the path that leads to Him where we experience the hope and the healing and the wholeness that we so desperately desire? And for those in here who are going through some sort of of, of oil press right now, olive press right now, God, you would, show them, you would show them what You have in store. And You would give them a security in their heart that this season will not last forever. That there will come a day when You're going to use them in great ways and they will look back and see that this time in the press was worth it. And Father, for those of us in here that need to be humbled enough to say, break me, would You give us that posture? The humility to say, I can't and I need. And that the bones that You have broken rejoice as You draw us closer to Yourself, as You start to restore to us the joy of Your salvation as we experience full healing and hope found only in You. Thank You for all You've done for us, for sending Jesus to enter our mess, to give us life. In His name, Amen.